0: Aloha Monmouth Christian Church. My name is Pastor Ben Bryson. I had the privilege of pastoring at Court Street Christian Church for 26 years in Salem, Oregon. I'm good friends with Sean uh, and Seth. And I'm so honored to speak to you today here in McCall, Idaho. I'm visiting some friends. Uh, this is Payette Lake behind me. And today I want to talk about storms. A storm on a lake that happened about 2,000 years ago. But before I do, I want to pray. Would you bow your hearts with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the beauty that surrounds me this day. I pray that you would use this message in this crazy time that we're living in in this world to minister hope to those who are hurting, that you would give us all a sense of peace, recognizing God that you are the one who calms us in the midst of the storm. Thank you for this opportunity you've given to me to preach to this wonderful church, and I pray a blessing on Sean, his entire staff, and the elders of Monmouth Christian Church use that church to advance your kingdom in a mighty way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, about 20 years ago, a movie came out based on a true story. The film tells of the courageous men and women who risk their lives every day working, pitting their fishing boats against raging storms on the East Coast. Now, the forces of nature all culminated in 1991. That's what this movie depicts on Halloween their worst fears were realized when three low-pressure systems came in at the same time and converged on a fishing vessel. They call it the perfect storm. It was a tragedy, the fiercest storm in modern history, and today if you have your Bibles with me I want to share with you uh, a storm as i mentioned earlier that took place about 2,000 years ago so if you have your bibles with me i want you to turn to mark chapter 4 verse 35 and 41. this depiction of the storm is also in luke and matthew but i really like the way mark depicts this storm because he shares the true raw emotions of the sailors that fateful night in mark chapter 4 verse 35 it says that that day When evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. You see, Jesus was in the midst of his ministry. In fact, he was exhausted. He had been doing miracle after miracle. Crowds of people flocked around him. He was exhausted. He wanted to take advantage of the funfair, as they say with Southwest Airlines, and he wanted to get away. Verse 36 says, Then leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, And just as he was there in the boat, this is a very small boat. You can see a picture, a depiction of what this boat looked like on this Sea of Galilee. That's very similar to this uh, lake here behind me. It's a lake. It's the lowest lake, freshwater lake uh, in the world. It's about 800 feet below sea level. And he's there, it says, in this small boat. And there were also boats with him. In other words, people saw Jesus getting in a boat, and so they chased after him. And we read on here, a furious squall came up. Now I want us just for a moment to see what this looked like. I, I've got a video image that I want you to see here. Just watch this for a few moments to see what this sea looked like in Jesus' time perhaps, except remember, this was late at night. This was dark, so just watch this with me. these storms are not uncommon as the wind comes over the high hills into this narrow little valley and it's extremely dangerous especially in Jesus time because of how small the boat was and how wide the lake is and the Bible says here a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Literally in the original language, it means that the water kept coming over the boat. They couldn't get it out fast enough. Verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern. He was in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Remember, he was extremely exhausted from his ministry. And the disciples woke him up and said, "'Teacher, don't you care if we drown? "'Can't you see what's happening?' Verse 39, Jesus wakes up, he got up, he rebuked the wind. Literally in the original language, he ordered it like a soldier ordering a subordinate. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. He muzzled them, literally, that's what it meant. Or basically he was saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to get some sleep here. Literally, immediately, it says the wind died down and it was completely calm. Then he looked at his disciples and he said in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? Don't you know who I am? They were terrified. Literally, in the original language, they feared with a greater fear. They were scared to death and they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, the primary teaching tool of Jesus, this rabbi teacher, that's what it means, or master, the primary teaching tool that he's using here to teach his disciples is a trial. And sometimes God uses trials to teach us to depend on him. He deliberately induced frustration to his students, his followers, his disciples. This master teacher, Jesus, is probing to help their students, to help them. And this master teacher, he uses this storm to see if they're depending on him, if they believe he is who he claimed to be. I love what Ken Bailey writes. He wrote an insightful encounter. Uh, he said in this beautiful picture of passage, you see that Jesus is giving a test but tests are not always pleasant to the ones being tested. One of my favorite stories is of a college student taking an ornithology quiz. Ornithology is a class, the study of birds. And this one professor in his school was noted for giving really difficult tests and quizzes. And so he studies all night. He tries to learn everything there is to learn about birds for his final. And as he comes in, to the classroom, all prepared for the test. He looks around the classroom and there are 25 pictures of birds' feet. And he looks at his piece of paper and it has 25 numbers that correlate with the pictures and you have to decide which bird it is just based on the feet. Well, as you can imagine, he's furious. He he looks at his professor who is known for giving these really difficult tests and he just thinks this is too much. So he's fed up. He He drops his his backpack and he walks up to the professor and says, this is ridiculous. I studied and I know everything there is to know about birds, but I don't remember all of the things about their feet. And the teacher said, well, this is your final. You better take it. And he says, I don't wanna take it. He says, fine, you're failed. He says, fine, fail me. And the teacher says, sure, I will. Just tell me your name. And so the student sits there, rolls up his pant legs to show his feet and says, you tell me my name cracks me up every time. Now here's the deal. Jesus gives a test and he, he wants us to depend on him in the midst of the storms of life because storms are inevitable. And let me just point out some things about these storms that come into our life, some points to this passage. First of all, storms are a reality of life. Like I said, they're inevitable. They come in various sizes and shapes. Sometimes they're, they're large, sometimes they're small, but storms will come. Right now, our nation is facing three low pressure systems. They're all converging at one time, like the movie I mentioned earlier, The Perfect Storm. First, we have a pandemic we haven't had in years and years and years. And as a result of that pandemic, people are unemployed and people are hurting and there are a lot of people living in fear. Second storm is the reality of the racial divide in our nation. The tension has never been greater in my lifetime. And that's one of the low pressure systems that's converging on top of the pandemic. And the third storm is an election year. The election year shows the divide in our nation in a political way. And so what do we do in these storms of life? God is asking you the question, do you trust me? Do you trust God in this difficult time of your life? There are many people who do not understand that God sometimes allows these things to come in so that we would depend on him. And I meet people sometimes who feel like they're living in shock because this storm came in their life and they think, what did I do wrong? Is God judging me? But I wanna remind you what the master teacher Jesus said. He said this, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. John 16:33 goes on to say, I have told you these things that you may have peace and you will have these troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Some of you here today, who are going through a raging storm of your life. It has nothing to do with the pandemic or, or the racial divide or the political situation in our nation. That's not helping, but some of you are going through a trial of cancer or perhaps like me, you're unemployed right now or others of you you are going through a relational issue. Perhaps it's a divorce or a separation, or a child that you love is walking away from you. My question is, do you trust God? Because storms are a reality of life. And there's a myth about storms. A storm in life does not mean that God does not love you. It does not mean that God's angry with you. Even if you disobeyed him, God loves his children. He's faithful to us even when we're faithless. But many times storms happen, they happen so that we can trust in God to be our anchor in the midst of the storm. Jesus said, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45. In other words, good and bad happens to all of us. The important thing is whether or not we're prepared to depend on God. The second thing that I wanna bring up to you is not only are storms inevitable, but Jesus is always with us in the midst of the storm. Even when it feels like he's sleeping, Jesus is with us. I felt like Jesus is sleeping in my life. I call it the agony of unanswered prayer. I think of the psalmist who prayed, God, why are you so far away from me? Why are you so far from saving me? We have been there, haven't we? In the middle of a crisis it seems that god is taking a nap maybe you can even hear him snoring in the distance but it doesn't mean that he's being unresponsive it just means that his timing is different than our timing at least we know that we're in the same boat as his disciples that he's there with us and in the perfect way in the perfect time he he will calm the storm in your life i think of a friend that has cancer praying for healing. And I say this, God will bring healing. Maybe it will be immediately, maybe it will be through medicine eventually, but ultimately God will heal us, amen? He was asleep and I think it's important to note that Jesus was totally exhausted. We see the human side. In fact, this is the only time in the New Testament that we see that Jesus is sleeping but I also believe that he was sleeping for a purpose because Jesus was at total peace because he knew his father and he knew that his father was bigger than the storm. Jesus is with us in the midst of the storm and Jesus' response to them when he awakened was, he rebuked the disciples after he rebuked the storm. Why? Because he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because here's the deal. Fear and faith are incompatible. Fear and faith are like oil and water. That's why the Bible says over and over and over, do not fear for I am with you. Even when you feel like God's sleeping, he's there and he's bigger than the storm. Which brings me to my third point. Not only can Jesus uh, sometimes sleep in the storm, but he's with us in the storm and the storms will come. The third thing is only Jesus can truly calm the storms in our life. He's the only one that has the power to say, peace be still. In fact, perhaps maybe you're watching at home or on some media device right now. Perhaps maybe you just need to ask God, God, would you calm the storm that's raging in my heart? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something that you're going through that nobody else knows about. Would you ask God, God, would you speak peace into my life right now? Because only Jesus can say, quiet, be still. We're told here that the wind died down and it was completely calm, just like the lake here behind me, placid after a squall. And here's what I want you to understand. All things are possible with God. God. You show me your storm, and I'll show you how big my God is, because God is bigger than whatever storm you face. And maybe it's bigger than you, but I think that can be a good thing if it draws us to God. Storms reveal how small we are and how big God is. And I'm not sure what you're going through, but I do know this. With all certainty, God is bigger than your storm. Well, how can we learn from the storms of life, first of all, you have to completely give control to Jesus. You have to raise your hands in the air and say, I surrender. In fact, notice what it says here in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved, but notice it says, you have to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And maybe right now, you would just do that out loud. Jesus i surrender to you you are the lord of my life you are the master you're the ceo you're the director that's one of the most powerful prayers you can pray especially in the midst of the storms of life this lordship issue is basically saying god i'm no longer gonna fight i can't do this in my own power i surrender to you because you are god now may not be politically correct to say that it may not be politically correct to not depend on your inner strength or your inner power, but I wanna tell you this, that can only last a certain amount of time. God, God is the one that has unlimited power, omnipotent power. So you need to surrender control to him. The second thing you need to do is ask God for power and patience. That's called prayer. God, I depend on you. I need you in my life. First of all, I surrender, and then I speak it audibly to him. God, I need you in my life. Power comes through the prayer of people who are dependent on him, even in the crises of life, especially in the crisis of life. Ephesians 6.10, let me read these words over to you. I'm gonna read them two times. Maybe you wanna close your eyes and just listen to these words. It says this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let me say that again. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. When my daughter was first learning to drive, my youngest, we got her a small little VW Rabbit. It was a stick shift. It was old, didn't have all of the accoutrements or the different bells and whistles of newer cars, but she just loved this little car. It was a white little cabriolet convertible. But when it rained, and it does rain in Oregon, let's be honest, it was kind of difficult because the defrost didn't really keep up with the windows and the windshield wipers were just kind of slow, even at their fastest speed. And one time I was teaching her to drive and we were going down uh, I-5 and um, a really big squall, a big rainstorm. And you know how trucks drive by or you're trying to pass and the, the water hits the windshield. And she started to panic. She got kind of uh, gripped the steering wheel, you know. And I told her what my dad told me, and that is keep your eyes focused on the car, Hedy. Keep your eyes focused on their lights. And I think some of you need to hear that right now. You're kind of white knuckling it. Maybe it's the storms that are surrounding you. Maybe it's just being depressed watching the news. And I want you to hear this from me right now. Keep your eyes focused on God. Don't look around you because everything's going haywire. Keep your eyes focused on the light of the world. The Psalmists say this about God, that God is our Father. The Psalmists go on to say that God is our King. He's the glory, the lifter of our head. He's righteous, he's my Lord, he's my strength, he's my rock, he's my fortress. He's my deliverance, he's my shield, he's my stronghold, he's my support, he's my savior. He's my redeemer, my shepherd, my light, my salvation. He is my help, he is my hiding place. He is my delight. He's the lover of my soul, the strong tower, my deliverer, my portion. My comfort. Now those are some incredible titles about this loving God that we have but I want to ask you a question. How do you know that God is your fortress until the arrows start flying around you and you have to run into the open gates of this fortress? And how do you know that he's your hiding place until you hear the enemy crashing in around you knowing that he has your back? And how do you know that he's your father until you feel orphaned and abandoned by those who love you most? And how do you know that he's your deliverer until you step outside the boat, like Peter did in the midst of another storm on the lake to go out to Jesus? I guess my question to you is, do you trust him? Do you trust him as your Lord, as your savior? Can you pray out to him? Can you give complete control to him? The last thing I want you to understand is, being humbled, being humbled is very humbling humility is a humbling thing and the bible teaches us and i'll close with this that god opposes the proud he gives grace to the humble so therefore humble yourselves before god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time first peter chapter five verses six five and six some of you are hurting here today i don't know what storm you're going through Or perhaps maybe everything's going all right like it is on this beautiful lake here up in Idaho. But I do know this, only Jesus can calm the storm. Only he has the power to help you through the inevitable ups and downs of life. And whatever you're going through, I would ask you to depend on him. Jesus is your rock, he's your fortress, he's a strong tower. Would you just give your life to him today? Let me pray with you, Heavenly Father, There's so many people who are tired, perhaps feel alone or overwhelmed. Maybe it's a stress of life. Some are worried and some are fearful. But Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak peace into their life just like you did some 2,000 years ago to those disciples who were frantic in the midst of a storm. Bless those who are listening to this message. Protect them in Jesus' name, amen. I'll leave you with this. May God give you peace. God bless. Aloha. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.